We would like you to send you to see the Trans-Siberian Orchestra for its Ghosts of Christmas Eve concert at any one of the concert stops along its tour. And to register to win, you need the national keyword. And it is, for this hour, the word concert. Text CONCERT to 95819. That's 95819. Text CONCERT to that number, and you will be registered to win this great trip. Round-trip airfare, three-night hotel stay, $1,000 uh, for your holiday shopping with a gift card that we'll throw in just for good measure. Uh, text that word now and register to win, and good luck. We rely on the Michigan Public Service Commission to be the voice of the consumer, to be a watchdog, to regulate the public utilities that we have here in the state of Michigan. But in the wake of an investigation by the Detroit Free Press, there are some really nagging questions about whom they're working for. We welcome in Paul Egan, the Lansing Bureau Chief for the Detroit Free Press, who led this investigation. Paul, good morning. Good morning, Guy. Give us some uh instances of what you uncovered in this investigation that it has raised these doubts about whether or not the utilities and the MPSC are just too cozy. Sure. Well, first, there's a longtime revolving door between the commission and the industry. So um, we found that going back to the Engler administration, um, 79% of the commissioners went on to you know, work in the industry after they left the commission. Um, there's also a lot of financial ties. The, the um, utility trade groups like the Edison Electric Institute sponsor getaway conferences that uh, commissioners go to. And, the, you know, um, they, um, these happen on, on a regular basis. There's, a, there's an annual conference of a regional utility group that actually makes so much money from sponsorships that they they use the surplus to have a, a commissioner's only conference down in uh, San Antonio, Texas, usually, um, where where that's all paid for the, for the commissioners. And that that surplus was raised from uh, sponsorships from from groups that uh, you know DTE and consumers belong to. Another thing I found, guy, was just the amazing amount of of secrecy, uh, you know, back in the the Public Service Commission used to have to conduct all its business in, in public, but back in 1988, they got a an exemption to the Open Meetings Act. It was sold as a kind of a limited exemption to help them deliberate uh, rate cases where they act as a sort of quasi-judicial body. But uh, the chairman confirmed to me that um, that they interpret that exemption to apply to all their business. And and basically when they come out in public, they, they have their votes, which they've already they've already decided uh what they're going to do and they make, you know, any statements about it that they want to, but all those deliberations are in secret, which kind of explains why if you go back to two thousand ten, there's never been an, an order voted down and uh the last no vote that any commissioner cast was uh eight years ago. You know, I'm looking at your at your report, and it talks about the uh, 19 commissioners who served uh, on the Public Service Commission when they uh, left in 1990. At least 15 of them work in jobs related to you know fields uh, that are regulated uh, in energy and electricity, those kind of things. You had a, a a guy who became a staff attorney for consumers and. Um, it's, it's, it's a lot of, a lot of mixing there and it's, it's, it's kind of close. 
Absolutely. And, uh, and sometimes it works the other way too. Uh, you know, Governor Snyder actually appointed a former consumer's executive to the commission. So, you know, sometimes, you know, not only do they go to work in the industry, but sometimes they've also come for, from it. And, and that's where, you know, um, economists can call this phenomenon regulatory capture. And it's kind of where, you know, the independence of these commissioners can gradually be eroded. And, you know, it doesn't mean that the utilities get everything they want, but it, it may mean that they get higher rate increases than they otherwise would. Or when they, you know, when they screw up something like a response to a storm, uh, they may not get uh, held accountable as much as they, as they should be. Mm-hmm. Uh, Paul, so you say it lacks transparency in decision-making. They get 80% of the funding from DTE and consumers. Um, so why should the regular person care who's listening to this, who, you know, has their regular home and wants service? Yeah, absolutely. So if, um, if, the, if the regulators are too close to the industry, your rates are probably going to be higher than they should be because this body actually, uh, DTE and consumers has to come to them to ask for a rate increase. And they ask, you know, they always ask for more than they get, but, um, you know, there's a lot of discretion in what, what, what expenses they allow and what they don't. So that's one way is your, your rates could be higher. The other reason is, you know, this commission, they opened investigations into poor storm response like year after year it's happened repeatedly where we've had these these storms and people you know have sometimes taken not only days but in some cases weeks to get their electricity back on but it's only in in the last year after you know another big failure a lot of them around metro detroit that they they finally have ordered a, a an independent audit of, of of these utilities to try to find out what's really going on. So it's kind of like, you know, why was this allowed to slide so many times that, you know, it's great that they are uh, taking some further action now. But but again, if if they're not if they're not holding their feet to the fire, that can affect how long your electricity might be out if you have an outage. We should point out, Paul, that you went through 300 meeting minutes going back to 2010. You talked to chairs going back to the Engler administration. This was an exhaustive investigation. When you consulted with others and look at how other states do it to make sure that this important commission is truly independent, what kind of reforms did they suggest or did they? What should we be considering? Um, there's, you know, there's, there's, some variation for sure. Some places, for example, commissioners are elected rather than appointed. Here, they're appointed by the governor. Um, you know, there's pros and cons to that. I'm not. I'm not saying that 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 would necessarily um, um, help to fix things. You know, there's little things too, guy. Like um, this idea that that consumers and DTE pays almost the entire budget for yeah. the commission. Well, you know, it, it's not uncommon for for regulated entities to sort of pay the cost of of regulation like like you know in a lot of cities they'll sell taxi medallions and that'll support the taxi commission but but you know one interesting thing is in illinois for example where they also have a tax on utilities they they specify however the commissioner's salaries must be must be paid separately from the from the general funds Mm -hmm. you know we don't 
it's it's maybe it's an optics thing, but it, again, it kind of it kind of goes into this whole sort of incestuous um, relationship thing. When, yeah, when, that would certainly be a good start, Paul, is to sever those ties. Great investigation. Thank you for your time.